0: You're listening to episode 114 of the Pastor Writer Podcast, conversations on reading, writing, and the Christian life. I'm your host, Chase Replogle. Well, it's a real honor and a privilege to have Gene Getz on the podcast today. Several years ago, I picked up his book, The Measure of a Man, and have recommended it to several people over the years of pastoring. He joins me today to talk about his career in writing, having published over 60 books, and also what has been really a life work for him. He recently released the Life Essentials Study Bible, which is a culmination of years of commenting on the Bible, preaching through the Bible, and recording audio and video resources along with the Bible. It's a really interactive Bible in the... That incorporates some some new technology I haven't seen in study Bibles particularly before, and so we get into that as well as his writing and his career as a pastor. I think you'll enjoy this one. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm joined on the podcast today by Gene Getz, Dr. Gene Getz, host and teacher of Renewal Radio, has been a senior pastor, professor, and is an author of more than sixty books. He's been a church planning pastor in the Dallas Metroplex since 1972 and has served as an adjunct professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Gene is president of the Center for Church Renewal and serves as pastor emeritus of Chase Oaks Church in Plano, Texas. After transitioning from his role as senior pastor more than 10 years ago, the Life Essential Study Bible is now the centerpiece of his ministry, a topic I'm excited to talk with him about today. Its unique format includes 1,500 principles to live by, each with a QR code providing access to a total of 250 hours of video teaching within the Bible itself. Well, Gene, it's a—it's an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to you today. I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast.
1: Oh, Chase, hey, uh, good morning and uh, happy day. <laughs> you too. <laughs> be with...
0: there, there's so much we could talk about. Um, So many of your books uh, I've found helpful. Of course, I've got the, the a copy of the Bible as well, which is something I want to get into. Uh, such a huge accomplishment for for your ministry and legacy. Uh, Really, congratulations on it. But maybe a good place to start is uh, maybe you could share a little bit about how you got into the ministry and specifically how you ended up serving as a pastor, a church planner as well.
1: Wow. Hey, let me succinctly try to relate that. Actually, I uh, was born on a farm in Indiana, was reared in a very uh, exclusive religious sect, uh, theologically confused, but uh, through Moody Radio, uh, my listening to radio, my dad uh, came to understand grace listening to Dr. Harry Ironside coming from Chicago back in the 30s. And uh, that influenced me and eventually ended up at Moody Bible Institute. Became a student, got my theology uh, straightened out and uh, security and my salvation, uh, went on and uh, finished Moody, came back to teach at Moody, uh, eventually came to Dallas Theological Seminary and was really challenged by my students back in the late 60s, early 70s when we were going through so much trauma in our culture and society. in the middle of the, the hippie movement and the anti-war movement. But, you know, it was really considered um, a time that was called anti-institutionalism. There was just that anti-institutional mentality. And that spilled over into the church. And I had guys at the seminary asking me uh, questions like, you know, who needs the church? Maybe God's going to bypass the church. Well, I knew that would never happen. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. But anyway, that led me to uh, write a book I never planned to write, which was sharpening the focus of the church, which led me to start a church I never planned to start, which was the First Fellowship Bible Church, and then uh, eventually led me to change my ministry profession from professor after 20 years in uh, as a professor to become a full-time pastor, and um I often say, uh, Chase, I spent the first 20 years teaching people how to do the ministry. In the last 30 or 40, I've been learning how. <laughs> and my real learning experiences began when I got out into the local church and began to practice what I was teaching. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 88 now and I'm still learning. And uh, it's, it's an exciting journey.
0: Well, a big part of that faithfulness to ministry and pastoring has also been writing. Um, that was my first introduction to you. At what point did you realize, I mean, you know, this has not been a little a little hobby along the way. You've written a significant number. Sort of at the center of your ministry has always been these sort of reflections through writing. Um, when did you recognize that was a part of what God was calling you to, <laughs> that it wasn't just pastoring? Writing was a piece of it.
1: Yeah, well, that's a fascinating story, too. It goes all the way back when I was invited back to teach at Moody Bible Institute. And I look back now and I, I think, wow, I, I can't believe it. I was only 23 years old when I joined the faculty and uh, I was green and, and uh, my learning began. But they started, they they asked me to teach one course in the evening school when I was studying in the Wheaton Graduate School uh, to come into Chicago and teach. Believe it or not, it was audiovisual media. And I looked around for a text and I couldn't find one and I was working on my master's thesis. So... Um, and I saw some other examples of, of students who had written a thesis that became a book. So I got permission and I wrote a book and believe it or not, Moody Press published it. And, uh, so, uh, that was my first book I ever wrote. And because uh, I was right there at Moody and Moody Publishers, I had a, a, a direct in and, um, uh, believe it or not, that book was in print for a number of years. Um, but you know, with technology developing, growing, I finally shifted from, uh, being a, uh, a tech technical person as well to a, uh, implementer. And, uh, that was my introduction to real technology it just became a part of my thinking, visualizing teaching. But my real writing experience began when I got out at the local church. And, uh, In fact, one of the things I really trained myself to do was when I would preach like a series, like on Abraham or Elijah or whatever, I would discipline myself to write a message. Let's say I was going to do 12 messages, which will end up as 12 chapters. But I'm going to discipline myself to write this message as if you're reading it. And uh and then I would just take it, once I'd write it, then I would adapt it to teaching, which was very easy once you get it down that way. And so when I came to the end of a series, basically all I had to do was re-edit and put it all together, and I had a book. So for every 12 lessons, for example, I taught that way, uh, I had a book. And of course, I was just one of those fortunate people that way back then I got in to the uh, whole area of writing and publishing and uh, developed a um, – uh, just developed a reputation in that area. And so God just opened doors for me. And it's, it's one of those God things uh, that just happened, and it's really exciting.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. I uh, I've heard of a lot of guys who will – uh, after their sermon, come back and work that material into chapters. But it's really interesting to hear you talk about sort of almost approaching a sermon as a I chapter. Reversed it. Yeah. So did you preach from a, a full manuscript when you were in the pulpit, no. or how did?
1: No, I I would write this as if you're reading it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I would take it, develop an outline, and then use that outline and speak spontaneously. Because once you have something, for me at least, once you have it written out. And you review it. All it takes is a few keywords,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you can be spontaneous. And you still have good solid content. You're not just, you know, shooting from the lip. You know, if you really think it through, uh, for me that has been and very very helpful. In fact, that's the way that I've done all 1,500 of those videos that are in the Life Essential Study Bible. You know, I wrote all that material basically out. But then when I'm teaching those videos, with uh, visuals and so forth. Uh, I work with key concepts and ideas and just let it flow. And that's just a discipline you develop over the years.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the the books of yours that I picked up early on was The Measure of a Man. It's one I often recommend to people. Uh, I'm curious the story of how that book came about. Was it like oh, that, this? Was it a
1: That's so fascinating. That's another book I never planned to write. Uh, when I first started the Fellowship Bible Church back in 1972, one of my first – um, emphases was to just really uh, build my life into the men of the church in a special way, in addition to the whole body, but the men in a special way. So I invited them to a Bible study, and I didn't know exactly what we would do. And it was an early morning Bible study in a motel, and believe it or not, about 25 guys showed up. And uh, so I thought, what are we going to study? And so I thought about First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and I had gone through those qualities of maturity that are listed there, those profiles, uh, where Paul said to uh, uh, Timothy, if you're going to point leaders in the church, just make sure they're mature. And here's the profile for maturity. He said the same thing to Titus when he wrote that letter. Here's the profile. pointing leaders, make sure they measure up. Well, those are qualities for every Christian man. I mean, (laughs) Paul wasn't saying these are just for leaders. It's for leaders... And it's a profile for become, you know, measuring maturity. So I said, guys, why don't we take one a week, there are about 20 when you put them together from both passages, and just um, uh, study this and think about how it applies in our life. So I modeled the first one. We looked at the word above reproach, meaning good reputation. And then I said after that, uh, you know, 30 minutes of studying the word. And then I said, let's, let's talk application. And boy, it was just so powerful. So I said, guys, uh, I'd like to have different guys lead. I've modeled it for you. So I just faded into the group. And uh, I began to take notes. And uh, one day, about six weeks in, a good friend of mine, Bill Gregg from Gospel Light, was in town and in, in Dallas. And he said, Gene, I just wanted to find out what's going on in this new church. And I said, well, Bill, you know, here's a study I'm doing with guys and I had a notebook because I was journaling, you know, from the study as the guys were leading and I was participating and uh, he looked at it and he said, hey, I want that as a book. I mean, he just looked at it and he said, I want that as a book. And he pulled out a contract. Uh, This is funny. His acquisition editor was with him and he said, Dave, do you have a, a contract? And he gave me a contract, and he said, "Would you write a book?" I mean, that's a writer's dream. <laughs> I mean, you just don't get that doesn't happen today. I mean, you have to get an agent, and you work through this, and you know, the market is flooded with with a lot of good literature. But uh, anyway, uh, I didn't even name the book. I wrote the book. I suggested a name, and they evaluated it, and they came up with "The Measure of a Man," which I thought was really neat because it instilled in my mind the idea for more books. And so I did the measure of a woman, the measure of a church, the measure of a family, the measure of a marriage. And by the way, that word measure is so foundational because in Ephesians, Paul uses the word a couple of times, but especially in Ephesians 4, he uses it to measure up to the stature of Jesus Christ. The Greek word is metron, from which we get our English word metronome, if you're into music, which means standard. And there, that metaphor says, Jesus is the metronome. He is the absolute standard for holiness and righteousness for the believer. And all of us are to measure up to the stature of Jesus Christ. But here's a significant thing, Chase. Believe it or not, that book has never gone out of print in 45 years. Today, it's being used more than it than it has ever been used. And it's not because I wrote it. I've revised it a few times, but it's because I borrowed the outline from whom?
0: Yeah, from Paul.
1: The Word. From the Word. And so it's used in probably thirty different languages around the world. And uh, that that's just an exciting experience. It's a God thing. And uh, so it's really exciting to see how God is still using it.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful image you used too. And uh, I'm struck by the the providence of it. I think that's something that doesn't get discussed yeah, a lot yeah. when we talk about publishing and writing is the way God works those things. I was sort of chuckling to myself. I just, a couple episodes before this one announced, uh, I just signed my first contract with Zondervan for a book. And it's been about a four and a half year process that did not involve somebody right. just pulling out a contract and handing it to me. Well, I so know. I was chuckling. Yeah. But there is a sense, even in those long processes, as I've sort of said, there's a sense of, of providence of really sensing that God is creating those opportunities through his sovereignty um Uh, obviously one way of recognizing a book opportunity is when a publisher hands you a contract over lunch and says, would you write it? Uh, But I'm sure not all Uh. of the books have gone that way for you. Are are there ways you're recognizing as you're sort of in this rhythm of writing sermons, you're constantly thinking about the writing, of recognizing you know, I know in my own preaching, there are certain series that I think, man, that was what my body needed. And there are other series where I think, okay, this is something bigger than just my church. I I sense it bigger for me and maybe others. I think that's something I need to explore more widely. there ways you were sensing what you were doing in your church that was for the church and what might be for a larger audience? Well, I think that evolved uh, because in the initial
1: days and years, I was just teaching the church. I, I was teaching this body of believers. I wasn't thinking of publishing until uh, I had some of my first material published, like charting the focus of the church. And again, um that grew out of an experience in the classroom, and I approached Moody Press. They were very much interested in it, but they'd already published some of my books. So I, I was on the ground floor in that sense. I'd established credibility. But I, I'm just one of those fortunate individuals, and just it's, to me it's just um, a praise to the Lord, is that uh, most of the things I've ever written, I've been invited to do. Um, and Life Essential Study Bible was that way. I passed my baton, of, I was passing my baton of leadership to my successor here at Fellowship Bible Church North, now called Chase X Church, and uh, that was 15 years ago, and right in the middle of that, I get this invitation from Broad and Holman, just totally out of the blue. They said, Jane, uh, we have just, uh, and of course, the reason they called me is uh, they had published a number of my books, my character books particularly which the chapters all ended with principles to live by. And so they uh, had just finished their brand new translation, the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And I knew it was in the works. I knew it was going to be a good translation. Picked up the phone. They said, Jane, would you take our brand new Bible and do a principles to live by study Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Well, see, they knew that I principalized in a lot of my books from Scripture and so they that was just something they said, "Would you do?" And that, by the way, they said, "You know, with all all you've written, you can do it in two years." Hello, <laughs> <laughs> seven years later, uh literally seven years later, full time virtually um I ended the project, but that was just another uh invitation, and to me, I didn't realize how that was going to open the door for ministry literally around the world um, in ways that I never anticipated. I never anticipated ever doing a study Bible. And um, it's been one of the greatest experiences of my life.
0: Well, it's such an achievement, and I I want to get to the Bible and spend some time on it. But uh, maybe last question on the sort of writing section. I imagine – you probably get questions from pastors who look at the writing you've been doing over the decades and see, you know, your accomplishments 60 over 60 books and ask you for advice on writing. Uh, are there some of those core ideas or principles you return to when you're trying to give advice to a pastor who may be feeling that writing is a part of their calling or looking for those opportunities, ways you would say that they should be thinking about that call to write?
1: Well, one of the things I do is just share my experience. Um, you know how I learned to write and, uh, one of the ways I learned to write, by the way, was I, I studied how people wrote. Um, eventually, I taught, I actually taught a course in writing at Dallas Theological Seminary, writing for publication. But uh, one of the things that I did was, um, way back when, uh, the, I, just, I, I would just study the style. Just study how they express themselves. And... Um, uh, that just kind of became a model. By the way, you'll be interested in another fascinating story. When I entered Moody Bible Institute at age eighteen, um I had to take a um, an introductory uh, composition test, and I flunked it <laughs> i couldn't I could not end a sentence by saying I came to Moody Bible Institute because. And I had took remedial composition. You know, I grew up in this German community. My dad always say we was and we done it. And my grammar was bad. And uh, well, I'm from I I'm from German, the Ozarks,
0: so there's a little bit of that in yeah. my family history yeah. as well. So,
1: but 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 I, there was a professor at Moody that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself, and he would make comments on what I was writing. And he said, "You can write," and this is Rick Spresswell. And and that was really the beginning. And uh, so I've just encouraged people, you know, to um, to believe in themselves. They they can do it. They can study. Just look at what others are doing, model it. And then I tell my story of how I disciplined myself to write a sermon uh, as if you were reading it. And uh, and that just took time. I mean, you after you do that again and again and again you just improve through experience.
0: Yeah, I think so much of it is the doing itself that becomes the education. There's no way around that, right? You can learn it. I hear that's what you're saying, but it takes, right, it takes right. doing. There's no silver bullet to it.
1: Well, and and we need
0: people to help
1: us. You know, I remember when I was doing my thesis at Wheaton Graduate School, which became the first book, Audiovisual Media in Christian Education. And I remember my Dr. Lois LeBar, was reading it and giving me pointers and it was a natural book on, on steps to do certain things, you know, do this and this and this and this, kind of bullet point things. And she said, Gene, you need to make these all imperatives. Uh, imperatives? Wait a minute. What are imperatives? And then I began to realize, yeah, that's a great style. You're going to have a list of things. You don't just have a rambling sentence, do this, do this. You just have an imperative You know, that says, do this, put this, just the way you word it. I thought, wow, it just clicked. And that that changed a lot of things, particularly in terms of the practical books that I wrote initially in Christian education.
0: Well, I want to get to, uh, the, the life, uh, the life essentials Bible. I've got my copy here in front of me and it, uh, it's such a huge achievement. I've, I've covered a few of these other study Bibles on the podcast before. Oftentimes there's teams of people writing or contributing to them. Um, and I was just struck by, you know, as I've been kind of reading through it and using the QR codes, the, the level of content is both written and video. It's just a massive amount of comment, content, as I said in the beginning, over 250 hours in addition to the notes. Um, you, you, there are people I know who set it as a goal to read through the Bible in a year. Uh, you have, have written notes through the Bible, not just read it. So you can imagine right. how much bigger right. of a task it is. Uh, you mentioned a few moments ago you spent uh, really over seven years and I know continue to work on the content of the Bible it's itself. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how you approach a topic like that, that in my mind is just so overwhelming and daunting to even consider um, what that process looks like, especially getting started. How did you find your way into it? Well, just to
1: back up to the volume, uh, just to give an idea that in the English Bible, just the plain vanilla English Bible is about 750,000 words. And what I wrote was 500,000 words, approximately, uh, so it's not as much as the words of the Bible, but that's a lot of volume.
0: Oh, I mean, that's you equivalent know. to five novels. You know, most novels are going to say 100,000 as a general goal. Yeah. So, I mean, a significant amount of writing.
1: Yes. And, and basically what I did is, number one, and that's a, a miracle story in itself, a God thing. But I knew that I had to research, I had to write it, and I had to teach it to a live audience in order – uh, to stay motivated, uh, to be able to uh, be accountable, because this is long term. Because I started in Genesis line by line, paragraph by paragraph. You know, when you preach over thirty years, you don't preach everything in the Bible. In this case, I had no excuse. I had to hit every line, and so um, I needed that motivation, and uh, and so. Uh, Basically, I just began to teach it. I began to write it and write these segments, um, uh, these principles that have emerged. And of course, as you know, I embed those principles right in the biblical text so people can see how they emerge from the text with an explanation of the context leading to an applicational uh, question of applying that principle. And so I did that for 15, 1,500 principles. But the, the exciting part of the story is that my tech guy, who was just with me here a moment ago setting all this stuff up, David, he said, Gene, if you're going to teach all of this, let's just do high-level video and put it on the web. Well, we didn't realize that six years later, I'm going to get a call from Brodman and Holman, and they said, Gene, and they knew I'd videotaped all this. They said, Gene, QR code technology has now come into uh, existence YouTube is making available where you can put a video on YouTube, and you've got all this video. Let's put a QR code with every principle. And if we had not videotaped that six years of actual solid teaching, I couldn't have reproduced it. And so we went back, and the Bible's already laid out in Denmark, minus the QR codes. Um. And we, we had um, eight months to go back and edit. It's By the way, it's 300 hours of video. We had to edit 300 hours of video, making sure that we had a proper introduction, that we had to record, uh, had proper flow. In fact, at the end of six years, we went back and through editing, I knew I had to redo or edit. It was redo and actually do 50 more videos because through the editing process, like Dr. Ed Bloom said, Gene, you've only got one principle here on Elisha. You need at least seven or eight. So I had to go back and redo these with a live audience. But in eight months, uh, we edited all that. And when the Bible came off, it was all on the web tied in with those principles. But it was a God thing because if Dave hadn't suggested taping those presentations in high-level video uh, when it never would have happened. And by the way, I've spent the last seven years redoing all those videos because we didn't have high definition the first time through. And uh, by the way, right now we're using 4K cameras. You can imagine the difference. But I'm just about 40 videos away from redoing all
0: 1,500.
1: Wow. Uh, and – uh You know, because we, you know, the second time through, better video quality, hopefully better teaching. Uh, and people like to see you as you are, not as you were 15 years ago, you know. So, uh, hopefully that'll, that'll go on. Maybe if the Lord comes, uh, It'll be used during the tribulation period. Who knows?
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's so interesting to see uh, how all of these sort of streams of your story to come together in this work, the technology piece, the sort of academic, the study piece, the pastoral application piece. You really get a sense of all those sort of flowing together into this work. Um, were, there, were there places where you really hit challenges or roadblocks, where you felt stuck in that process of going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, commenting, applying every line of scripture?
1: Well, I think there were times when, you know, I thought, boy, what am I into? Is this ever going to end? And I know B&H wondered if it was ever going to end because, you know, they said two years, you can do it, Gene. And I'm saying, no, four years, five years, six years. And fortunately, they knew what I was doing and hung in there with me. And I'm sure glad they did because uh, when the Bible became off the press, the amazing thing is, uh, again, a God thing. We begin to get information, contacts, people emailing from all over the world who are downloading the videos. Uh, they're available anywhere there's, you know, where there's an internet connection. And English is such a prominent language, a second language for so many people in different parts of the world. And so God just opened up a ministry in ways that uh, is beyond anything I ever anticipated. And, and of course, Chase, I have to say that. My vision very quickly was that for every Bible that we sell through our ministry, we give one away. All prophets go back into our ministry, and and people know that. And when I go out in a church, I've been in a church where I've preached on the Word and made the Bible available and told them, if you buy one, we can give one away. We've sold 300, 400, up to 800 Bibles in one setting. If we sell 800 Bibles, we can give 800 Bibles away. We've sent a thousand, over a thousand Bibles to India, to pastors, to Africa, to the Philippines, uh, to other parts of the world. But we don't just give them away. We show them how to use it. We have people who train them on how to use the technology, how the Bible is put together, how to principalize from Scripture, uh, how to learn to prepare a message. These pastors have never had a course uh, in training. And for them, it's like a seminary in a box. And, uh, and so God is just opening up doors literally all over the world. And you'll be interested that uh, we're working on a four-year project. And the Bible has now all been completed and translated all my comments into Spanish. And um, not only con- in Spanish... Not only has the script been translated, the text, but right now as we speak in Mexico City, they're limp-syncing all of my videos. The Bible is ready to go to press um, and going to be released in Spanish. And the vision is 50,000 Bibles. And in two years, we want to distribute those throughout the whole Spanish world and for every Bible that is sold in America, we want to be able to give two away to those who can't afford it, which means out of 50,000 Bibles, if we sell 20,000, we'll give 30,000 away because they can't afford it. And uh, that's just one of the most exciting projects right now that we're working on. And uh, it's a God thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I did not open that door. I mean, the door was open and said, Gene, would you walk through it?" And um, it's by God's grace. That's all. I just, at my age, I, I'm just so thankful that I have this opportunity.
0: Yeah, what a what an incredible uh, an incredible opportunity and faithfulness in the midst of it. Um. Anytime you start innovating on things like the QR technology is great. You know, it doesn't require an app anymore. As long as you have a mobile phone with the camera, it's built into the operating system. So it makes it really seamless to use. Um, you, you're you uh, sort of recounting how this has had big impact. Have you heard some interesting stories of how individuals are using the Bible or stories that have really encouraged you and, and how that innovation and technology in the Word is really having an impact on an individual person's experience with the Word?
1: I would say in the last week, I've gotten at least three emails of our transformational emails of how lives have been changed, just out of the blue. Um, I've got stories that are absolutely incredible. People say, for the first time, we understand the Bible. We understand how the Old Testament and sets the stage for the new. It's one unfolding story of God's redemptive plan for us. Because with every, as you know, with every principle in the Old Testament, I verify it with with a New Testament concept and verification. Because if it's going to be a supracultural principle, which means it's enduring and it applies in any culture of the world at any moment in history, it's got to be a true principle. And you cannot come up with a true principle, I do not believe, unless it reflects the whole biblical story. And so that was my challenge because every principle I came up from the old, I verified it with the new because you can take stuff out of the context and the old come up with a theology that is not reflective of the whole story. And, and so people see that and they say, for the first time, I understand the Old Testament, I understand how it relates to the New Testament and even children with the QR codes. I've got stories of, of uh, eight and nine year olds. Who are using the Bible because of the technology? And I often say to congregations, by the way, I say if you don't understand QR code technology, ask your six-year-old and they'll show you how, because they, that's the way they think, you know. And they've been they're being trained to do that. By the way, we do have an app. You mentioned uh, you know you can access it easily with the camera, but uh, we spent a year developing an app which is called the um, Life Essentials QR Reader. And right on that, you do have, you know, you can scan it, but we have also uh, a section on that app where you can access every book of the Bible and all the principles by just clicking on that section. You don't have to scan. You don't have to use your camera. You just touch it, and it goes right to that principle, and there it is. So that makes it really easy for people to use.
0: Well, you're about to finish uh, finish up redoing those videos. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what's next? Maybe a uh, maybe a long vacation. Maybe a. Uh, I know this has been a huge project, but it sounds like there's it sounds like there's so many more opportunities God's doing off of that project that it's not it's not a work so finished at any point. Uh, well, are there things you're, you're thinking about working on.
1: Well, you're not going to believe this. I'm in the process right now, uh, with B and H, of completing a Men of Character Study Bible where they've taken all of my materials that I've written on men, which is a number of volumes, and have incorporated that into the Bible because I told them I don't have time to go back and do what I did with the Life Essentials. But I have edited it all, and we're going to do a QR codes. So there are about 125 profiles that are going to be right in the Bible, and we're going to have a QR code, and our plan is that I'm going to interview people from many, many different ethnic backgrounds. And my goal is that I will give them a copy of the character profile, ask them to read it. And uh, and then I'll, we'll have them come in the studio and I'll ask them basically, well, the question that I ask them to answer in their study is how, how do you apply this in your life? How have you applied it? And I want to bring them in, sit them down and then say, you know, talk about, this character profile that's in the Bible on Abraham and how has it impacted your life? How has it changed your life? Just studying that. And what I want to do is I want to get uh, all ethnic groups. I want it Spanish speaking, Spanish people who can speak English, African Americans, uh, whites, of course, uh, uh, Chinese. We have access here to a number of Chinese. In fact, we have a a full-time Chinese pastor is born in Beijing, speaks good English, but I can take these guys. And so, and I'm even thinking of father-sons and like having a five-minute video that, and then I'll build the, my script, what I say around there, around the interview. So, yeah, I'm working on that right now. So it's, um, uh, that, that Bible will be published hopefully next March.
0: Yeah, well, congratulations on it too. That sounds, uh, you know, as I have a son and I imagine sort of a tool like that to be able to have some of those conversations and reflect on characters and uh, what a remarkable opportunity. Yeah.
1: Well, see, someone like you, I'd like to interview you and your son after having studied, let's say, one of those characters and say, you tell us how it's impacted your life. Then I work that into that little introductory video and hopefully when a guy picks it up, who needs to have a good relationship with his son, sees your video and and talking about it, will say, wow, I need to read this, and I also need to get my son involved with it. Yeah, Uh, That's my goal.
0: Yeah, well, that's a wonderful project. Um, One of the things I often do on the podcast is uh, I'll ask guests to close us out in prayer. Um, And I wonder if you might be willing to do that. And and the thing that really strikes me about so much of your work in this conversation as well, too, is just – uh, faithfulness, the faithfulness you've shown to, as you put it earlier, to the doors that God opens, but then also, um, man, that comes through so clear in, in listening to you talk, the joy you have in those opportunities and the energy and the encouragement of those opportunities and faithfulness to them. I wonder if you might just pray for pastors that, uh, that they would have the, the eyes to see those doors that God's opening, whatever they might be, and the courage and the faithfulness to walk through them and find a sense of that joy in just responding to what it is God's leading them into.
1: Yeah, I'd love to do that. Let me, could I just say this, that uh, for anyone listening, if they would like to be a part of the ministry in the sense of giving Bibles away, uh, they can go to BiblePrinciples.org. And if they buy a Bible online, uh, we will take the profits from that Bible sale to help us give one away somewhere in the world to someone who cannot afford it. Plus Hopefully it'd be a blessing to them as well. Just BiblePrinciples.org and go to the store and they can go from there. Yeah, that's and, great. I'll uh, make sure yeah.
0: I have links in the show notes and we'll get it shared as well, yeah, too, so people can find do that. that easily.
1: Yeah, and and one of the things I'd love to do is put their name on gold in the front at no extra charge. And the people love that. Yeah. So we're able to do that. Um, I'll pray. Let's do it. Lord, Lord, Um, it's such an honor to be with Chase today and to talk and to chat and to honor you. And that's what we want to do. Father, uh, thank you for using us. Thank you for opening doors. And I want to pray for pastors and leaders who are facing some really tough circumstances, tough situations and uh, difficulties in their lives. Uh, I just want to pray for their encouragement. I pray that you'll bring people around them uh, as you brought people around me over the years, just to encourage me, you'll, you'll bring people around them to encourage them, to give them positive feedback, to, uh, to look for ways to encourage pastors and leaders and the work that they're doing. I pray that um, you'll strengthen us all in this uh, period that we're going through, this uh, traumatic period in our culture, in our crisis. Uh, in our country through the crisis of of, uh, what's happening. And Lord, help us to refocus on you and remind it, Father, of what you've said in the word uh, through Paul to Timothy uh, regarding government, that first of all, we should pray for all of those in authority, kings and governors, Lord, that we might live tranquil and quiet lives so that we might be able to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray for that today. Pray for all of our leaders in government, Lord, who need uh, wisdom. We pray they'll look to you. And we pray as pastors and leaders that we will pray for them. And we pray that your will be done on earth as is done in heaven. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our wonderful Lord. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, one more time, we've been discussing the Life Essentials Interactive Study Bible, and I want to give you a chance one more time to give us the URL so that if people are interested not just in getting their own copy, but through that purchase, sending a free copy as well to where they can do that.
1: Yeah, just go to bibleprinciples.org and uh, we'll be able to uh, uh, send it to them. And uh, if they have any questions, they can just email us and uh, we'll answer and explain it.
0: Gene, it's been an honor, a privilege having you on the podcast today. I'm deeply grateful. Congratulations. And uh, here's to uh, a lot more of those opportunities God brings to you in the days to come.
1: Chase, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you.
0: As always, you'll find show notes for today's episode by going to pastorwriter.com slash 114. There you'll find links to a couple of the books we mentioned that Gene has written, the Study Bible, of course, and uh, also a link to his website to learn more information about it. I also wanted to say thanks to those who have been leaving reviews. I've had a few more recently, and uh, we're closing in on a hundred. It would mean a lot to me if you'd take the time to either leave a rating by clicking the stars or typing a short message. Uh, It always helps me continue to improve the podcast and helps other listeners find the show as well. As always, thanks for listening till next time.